It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. We're going to talk more about Liverpool than Everton. Neil Atkinson, Dave Downey. This is Neil Atkinson speaking now. We're going to talk more about Liverpool than Everton. I'm going to explain why um, Liverpool were involved. At least involved. you're up front about it, Liverpool, the last hour. Liverpool were involved in, uh, in an eight-game thriller which had interesting tactical things going on, uh, which showed up a series of strengths, which showed up some serious deficiencies. Everton won 2-0 at home against Norwich. Um, a result that's a good result. It's a strong result. It's a result that gets the job done. But you, in, in that instance, you talk more about Liverpool than you talk about Everton. And that's why you talk more about Liverpool than you talk about Everton. Uh, there have been weeks where we've talked more about Everton than we have about Liverpool. So part one, we're going to talk quite a lot about Liverpool. Part two, we're going to talk a little bit about Everton. Part three, we're going to talk about Liverpool and Everton going forward uh, for the rest of the season and the importance of the next three games because if there's one thing you know on all in the game, we're going to talk to you about the next three games. Before we get on to all that then, um, Dave Downey opposite me, how are you Dave? I'm okay, I've had a nice weekend. You had a nice weekend? Yeah. Was your weekend as good as Niall Quinn's? No, not well, nothing compared to a Niall Quinn weekend. He had a the great man day. can make a roast dinner sound like a night out. He had a great day yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, anyone who was watching the Liverpool game on Sky yesterday will have discovered that Niall Quinn was exceptionally happy with what was happening in front of him. He was very, very, very happy indeed. He had a great day. Uh, both sets of players were just, you know, they, they were a credit to themselves, a credit to the clubs. Um, everyone could walk off that pitch with their head held high. Everyone could have a bit of pride about it. And, you know, it was just uh, it was just one long, happy, 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 <laughs> joy, joy session from Niall Quinn yesterday on the commentary, Dave. It was phenomenal. I, I think, you know what, I actually like Niall Quinn, not, not because he's any good at anything, but because he just seemed like the re- a really nice guy. He's a lovely fella. Like, if you went for a pint with him... He'd be a great pint. You'd go home, he'd be the perfect father-in-law, I think. Oh, God, yes, indeed. You know, he'd get you a nice Christmas present. Yep. I, I think he's a nice guy. Look after me daughter. But talking about... That's fo- all I ask. Talking about football, I tell you what. Yep. We, had a, we played Monopoly on Christmas Day in front of yeah. the fire. It was brilliant. Dave won, but I wasn't bothered. He was excellent, was yeah. Dave. Right the way through, the way in which he threw the dice, he was a credit to himself. Yeah. I love him in a pool and all that. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Honestly, he'd be ringing your mum to say, Dave's had a great day, he's had a lovely Christmas, yeah. and he's a, he's a credit to himself and his family. He's the type, if you lived, like, two miles away on Christmas, Eve, on Christmas night when you're driving home, he'd ring ten minutes later to see you got home okay. He would very much do that, yeah. indeed, and remind you of how excellent your day was. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I... You know what? He got me with his commentary last season. He said something there. Good night, Irene. And he said, didn't he? Good night, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, what, him and Proven, though. I'll tell uh, you well, what. I think, I think what Niall is, firstly, you've seen him play football in your life, unlike Davy Proven. But also, <clears> the <throat> other thing about Niall is, as you say, he comes across like a nice man, but he's just still talking. Yeah. Mostly about how happy he is. Uh, you can hear the Liverpool supporters now. They sound as though they're belting it out there. They've come back in full voice, and it's great to hear he's made yeah. up. But you can hear the Stoke City supporters there coming back into it now. <laughs> as well yeah. it's great to hear a football match like this it was a as games of football go um, this is my new reality and I've got to be quite honest with you Dave I'm not entirely sure I'm on board mm. with my new reality um, it's it's crazy stuff it was a crazy game Liverpool are a cure its egg every single time they try to do anything on a football pitch Um what do you want to start with? Should we start should we start slacking people off? Or should we start being nice about people? Which way do you want to go? Um uh, well I want to touch on Charlie Adam. I put uh, Touch on Charlie Adam. Yeah. I, I just thought it was hilarious when he not not because he scored against Liverpool. Because that was always gonna happen. Same as when Shelby scored at the Liberty. We knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> but today I heard that he's been linked with Galatasaray. Man- wow. Mancini wants to take Charlie Adam into the Champions League. That's remarkable stuff. I just could not believe it. Well, this is right. Ian Holloway, 
professional dope. Tries to look like a dope. Um, Ian Holloway builds his side at Blackpool around Charlie Adam. He made him a side attack and Fulcrum and he made him captain. Um, and then uh, Ian Holloway, Ian, um, Charlie Adam leaves Ian Holloway and he comes to Liverpool, wherein he's pretty much put at the centre of things by Kenny Dalglish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Holloway then he goes to Stoke under Tony Pulis and he doesn't get as many games as you'd think, but this season Hughes has put him back. There's a lot of people carrying Charlie Adam's water for Stoke. But what's the difference between what Holloway did that worked and what Dalglish has done? did that didn't work and what um, what Hughes did that didn't work what isn't in common in all these three instances Ian Holloway had taken off on the 65th minute yeah he was the captain he was the, the, the creative the creative fulcrum for, for, for Blackpool but he'd taken off on the, 60, the 65th minute and Charlie Adams was having a really good game I felt he was involved in lots of stuff it's frustrating to watch because you want Liverpool to get closer to him but he's got a free role he can drift around you can't detail someone just to do that you've got to be set up to get close to your players and Liverpool weren't um, at times against Stoke but 65 minutes comes and he all but disappears from the game. Yeah. He's only then a set-piece threat. He's only then about whipping it in. And even them, those set-pieces, they were poor to begin with. The, the, one of them was outrageous after the 65th yeah. minute. It was so bad. You know, he tires and tires mm. at such a rate. And, uh, you know, even if he has lost a little bit of weight going into this season, he still just doesn't look um, like he's got 90 minutes in him. And yet, only Ian Holloway, the man who made him captain at the smallest of all of these clubs, is the one who went, I've got to keep taking him off on 65. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that, isn't it? Not, none of the others recognised it. But mind you, the others probably put a greater importance on him. Uh, given how he went through the ranks at Blackpool, didn't he? Uh, come up through the Championship. I think. I think what they've done is they've presumed they they put a greater store in their physical conditioning, and they've thought we can fix this. Yeah, we can we can fix this issue. It might, but you know, maybe he needs more time on the pitch. Maybe he needs to just play through this. You know, I think they've thought well. If you're going to play for Liverpool, if you're going to play for Stoke, you've got to be a 90-minute player. And this brings me on to someone else who I want to discuss, which is Coutinho. Yeah. Coutinho's not a 90-minute player. Mm. And that's fine. As long as you know and you manage the fact that he's not a 90-minute player, that's fine. The substitution was well-timed. Liverpool changed the shape quite effectively. Went to more of a 4-2-3-1 after whatever the nonsense was with Gerard Deepers before that point. And then Liverpool, they, they were ahead in the game, um, got themselves, were able to kick on from that point. And it was it was the right sub at the right time from the manager. But part of the reason why it was the right, right sub was... Coutinho's not a 90-minute not a player. Albert Riera, when he came to Anfield, would do 65 great minutes for you, three terrible ones, and then be subbed uh, every week. Um, you know, this is... Some players aren't 90-minute players, and that's absolutely fine. Um, still haven't decided, are we, going to, are we going to be nice and upbeat, or are we going to be nasty? No, we'll stay upbeat. We'll stay upbeat. I, I mean, I did, I did have a problem with Charlie Adams' celebration as well. Why? I don't like players apologising when they score. I really don't. But he did it because you can tell he, he thought, "Hang on, this is this is what boss players do." This, you know, like when you're in the playground and you've got the kid who wears white boots, <laughs> and he'll score and put his finger to his lips like a proper player would. Charlie Adams thought, "Hang on." When other players score, like Ronaldo scores against United, I'll put my hand up and apologise like a big boy. And then he runs 20 yards away and then puts his arm out, like as in, look at me, I've just scored a whopper. I don't understand what the, uh, what the thumbing gesture was, looked like yeah. it might be money or something, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sick of Quite players. an enigma though, isn't he? I'm sick of players not scoring against the former club, not celebrating after goals yeah. against the former club, not least because this new reality means that Peter Crouch will never get to celebrate a goal again. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's if, as far as I'm concerned, go mad, it's fine, we yeah. sold you. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, the only yeah. one of those that's possibly allowable, which is ironic because he'd probably go bananas, would have been something like Sol Campbell scoring for Arsenal against Spurs. Yeah. We sold you. You know what I mean? Yeah. We bought you on both of those instances, Charlie Adaman um, and um, Peter Crouch, and we sold you. Go mad. Yeah. It's fine, lads. The line's we'll all, being drawn. Yeah, we'll all be yeah. all right. 
Um, I think it's 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 time to bring the celebration back after the goal against the former club. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and you you see, I mean, it's almost cliche now, isn't it? That it happens that way. Remember when Ronaldo did it against Man United? You're thinking, you know, what's what's the point in doing it? Why? You like you say you've you've gone, you've left the club. Everyone's made peace with it. What's the first one you remember? I think I think there was one when Lampard did it away at West Ham for Chelsea and he didn't celebrate um, just turned around walked back towards the halfway and then got an absolute torrent of abuse and from then on in he's given he's really stuck it to them Jermaine Defoe as well I think at Spurs at West Ham I think there's, a, there's a, maybe a West Ham theme the, the first one I remember um, that, that, that really sticks <coughs> in my head is Gary McAllister for Liverpool when he was brilliant for three months in the treble season he scored a free kick at Coventry and it was sort of understandable because it practically relegated Coventry Yeah, and it, it put Liverpool 2-0 up in a game Coventry needed to win I think he, he, he stuck it in the top corner from 25 yards brilliant free kick and he didn't celebrate uh, at all oh, Dennis Law well, Probably the Dennis the Law, heel, yeah, yeah, there's the Dennis Law, the back heel, which in the end didn't actually make any difference. United mm-hmm. were relegated anyway, but he didn't know that. There's there's one of the first ones. I think that's the word. He just runs off. Uh, yeah, just sort of jumps <laughs> Shouldn't have done off. this, lads, I'm getting off. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's... it's I understand if, you know, if... It, I can understand it if it would relegate a side. Yeah. I think, you because know, you wouldn't... Because that really would be rubbing salt into the wound and all that sort of stuff. But I think, you know, in a game in January, if you're Charlie Adam mm. or Peter Crouch, you can, you can wheel away with your hands aloft and say get in but that, that goal was massive for Charlie Adam I mean after it he was, he was like a man possessed for the next 10 minutes until like you rightly say his engine runs out and you know something like that can kick start someone like his career because it's the only game I've seen I mean I've seen him a few times since he left Liverpool but it's in a game when he actually looked bothered yeah do you know what I mean? He's looked like, you know, Stoke's not the most romantic places to go to, is it? In terms of you know, football and enchantments, and uh, he's gone there probably nice deal. Well, the same is similar to Stephen Ireland. Players go there, yeah, nice club to sign for. Crouch himself probably is similar, and you think, yeah, settle here, mid-table football. You know, a nice see yeah. my career. Uh, and something like that could really kick Crouch start. Has got to get Crouch has got to yeah. get out. He's got to get out of Stoke. Crouch, I, I'm still convinced, convinced Crouch has, has got <laughs> one season where he goes to tw- 20 to 25 league goals from nowhere. Yeah. And everyone will say, where's that come from? But it's not going to happen at Stoke. No. Crouch has got to get out. Wow. Uh, it could happen at someone like Newcastle. Uh, it could happen somewhere unlikely, but he has got to get out mm. of Stoke. Um, I feel like I feel like we might have to put a, get a whip around together. It's made me go into that, this nasty mode now, Neil, because it made me get angry about Stoke. Stoke, 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 Stoke. Horrible, horrible side. I really, I, I've seen. There's a lot of pointless sides in the Premier League, and I think it's a growing list because. Don't, do you think Stoke are pointless? Yeah, you've got a top seven and eight who are battling for things and honours and actually want to play football. Then you've got this growing list of sides who would competently take 17th every season Fulham used to be the one for me Fulham would happily take 17th every season they'd probably take it this season as well well you wouldn't blame them at this no, stage no not at this stage you know. but Stoke are just rubbish I just do not see the point in Stoke City I think Stoke have made a niche for themselves I, think, think, I so? think you need you need a pantomime villain you need somebody who walks mm. into the room and everyone goes oh look at Stoke over there look Big Sam's Stoke. done enough lately though surely uh, well no because Big Sam's just too stuck with, but the problem that Big Sam's got now is that Big Sam's sides are Big Sam well, he's you actually know, a villain yeah he's, <laughs> no, he's actually too much he's too much like Big Sam basically yeah. and, and he goes in and he does the Big Sam thing he does it to the clubs Stoke do it to the <laughs> managers now I think they could sack Mark Hughes 
and that, that whoever they got in next, they could get Guardiola in. And within four weeks, Guardiola would be going long, whipping it yeah. out to John Walters, hoping he can win his battle against the full. Yeah. And I think that that's the uh, that's the situation that Stoke are. I think that th- I respect how endlessly Stoke they are. And even when they were playing football a bit yesterday, and I thought that they, they were quietly almost impressive Stoke, apart from when they were terrible, they were, they yeah. were actually quite good. Um, you know, even then, they're still beautifully Stoke. Mm. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop for any man. And I thought this season they'd become a bit blunt and a bit dull, and I thought they might go down. But even though practically everybody can go down who's in the bottom ten, um, I don't think that they will. They're certainly worse than them. Um, and one of the reasons why I don't think they'll go down is because they're so good at the back, which makes it quietly ironic. They ship five. It's that Mark Wilson, what was he all about? What was that all about? The thing is this. How unplayable is Luis Suarez in that Messi's obviously unplayable. Ronaldo's obviously unplayable. But the ways in which Suarez is and Zlatan's unplayable, the ways in which Suarez is unplayable is, I think, the most annoying of the ways. Let me give you an example. There's two examples that stick out in my head. Just the, the first one's his first goal. When he actually points to as he anticipates where the lad's going to misheaded it back to because he knows where your I know I know where your mistakes coming from yeah. you don't you, Messi doesn't do that he just he just dribbles around you repeatedly until you until you cry um, Ronaldo doesn't do that he barges you out the way Suarez gets in your head Suarez is di- different from the other two uh, in terms of how the opposition line up against him because you get you get these centre halves that relish the challenge of that you know you'll get maybe a Vincent company will be like yeah okay I've got Luis Suarez coming to the Etihad. I'm looking forward to the challenge of trying to stop him. The other two, I, I sense that there's a lot of that in Europe goes about whenever Real are playing away, you'll probably get the, the, the away side relishing the fact that they've got to try and stop them. With Suarez, you can sense actual fear yep. from the, the, the team he's playing. You can sense the, the mistakes in them because they know he's behind them. He's going to make it up here. If they're turning towards their own goal, they're absolutely petrified. And Mark Wilson epitomised that. And when he turned, that, that, that is absolutely ridiculous. Where the ball pitches, I think it's still a phenomenal piece of skill from Suarez to get his foot to it and slide it underneath mm. the keeper because he's still got a lot to do from there. And obviously it's taken for granted because he's been phenomenal this season. But to like you say, to actually have the audacity and but it's knowing your opposition, it's knowing and these lads are terrified yeah, of me. It, it's no Mark Wilson. I'm gonna not, play of it. Mark yeah. Wilson doesn't want to know. He no. doesn't he does not want that ball there. And then Shawcross comes across and makes actually we, we, we something that we referred to after the Tim Howard one. Shawcross very nearly pulls him down for a penalty in yeah. a red card and decides not to. And I think that you know that was a real moment of the footballer thinking it's not worth me getting sent off yeah. this. It, it, this this is going to be hard enough. They're going to make it two 0 mm. and then and we'll be down to ten. I haven't think, said what I've just said. He's probably one who does relish Suarez, but for a totally different reason because he, he I, I actually don't like. I, I think he genuinely goes out to injure footballers sometimes. That lad. He does seem to like like leaving his foot in. But the other thing that that makes me think, why would you want to play against this lad? Is this? It's not a new trick, but it's the thing I've noticed more and more recently. Um, getting in front of the goalkeeper when he's got the ball and counting to six. <laughs> with your fingers in the air and then screaming at the referee six 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 yeah. six and shouting at the goalkeeper six 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 is that still the rule? sorry that is still the rule that is still theoretically the rule but the only person in European football who seems interested in enforcing it's Luis Suarez yeah. literally the only one it's not as though for instance you see another centre forward do this back when Van Nistelrooy and Henri made standing on side really cool yeah. Luis Suarez is on a one man mission to counter six in every single six six it's yeah. Six now, <laughs> six, six. 
works. That's exactly what he's doing. And no one cares. Yeah. The goalkeeper doesn't care. The opposition supporters don't care. The opposition backline don't care. And most of all, the referee doesn't care. But Luis Suarez cares about yeah. this rule. Like a, like me when I've got obsessed with foul throws. Luis Suarez is now the footballing on-pitch equivalent of me getting furious yeah. about foul throws. Foul throw, that referee. Another foul throw. Foul, six. Yeah. Six. I think it's absolutely hysterically funny. This six thing he's just decided, I'm going to make this big. Yeah, well, it's just, and again, you know, it's another uh, shocking indictment of refereeing in this well, country at the moment, isn't it? They can't count to six. No. There's oh. one there's one issue. Do you know what, though? It, it is a growing problem, and it, it really, it does my head in little things like that. By the way, talking of foul throwing, did you see the one, uh, did you watch the Newcastle game? Yes. Did you see Yanga and Beaver's effort? Oh, God. It was awful, wasn't it? It was like, hang on, I'm aiming for the toe of my shoe here. Yeah. With the ball, I'm going to see how far I can keep the ball in my arms before it leaves them. Ridiculous. Uh, I think that the, the other thing to point out, so I don't wanna go, we're going to go to the break in a minute and then we're going to come back and we are going to talk about Everton against Stoke. Um, uh, the other thing to point out about this is that it's, it's, a, it's a huge victory for Liverpool. We're going to talk about the table and the upcoming fixtures in part three, but... Liverpool had never won there. Um, Liverpool have tried practically everything to win there. They've tried to win there under three different managers. Uh, well, two managers and Roy Hodgson. And, uh, you know, Brendan Rodgers last season, they lost 3-1 there um, after going 1-0 up. It was an enormous win for Liverpool. And one of the key things for me in this, Dave, um, and Rob Gutman said it to me today, is Liverpool, um, is that a half-time at 2-2? You thought to yourself, a proper team goes on and wins this. 4-2, 5-2, 5-3. Uh, That's what you think. Man City, go on and win that 4-2, 5 2 5-3. I certainly beginning to look, look like they found their legs away from home. Arsenal, early in the season, 4-2, 5-3. Wouldn't have come as a surprise to you. And Liverpool did exactly what those sides would have done at that point in that football match. Uh, I'll be quite honest and say Everton would have gone on and won that. I'd have felt, you know, at, at mm. that point in the game, I'd have fancied Everton, if I was watching it at home, to go on and win that. And yet, Liverpool haven't thrown the 2-0 lead away. You know, you, was, you were nervous with the history they've got at the ground, with all that sort of stuff. You were nervous that this could go wrong. Liverpool looked like a proper side because they actually did that in the way in which, if we're saying that Man City had a proper side and Arsenal had a proper side, let's stick with those two. Liverpool's second half was very similar to what theirs would have been. Uh, they got, you know, they got made a good change, uh, got the goal uh, maybe, you know, a contentious penalty but they got the goal, calmly taken, slotted then they managed to take some time out of the game uh, then they, 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 they made, made the substitution that allowed them to kick on rather than sit back uh, they acknowledged they needed 4 or 5 to get victory in the game and not just settle for 3 and they also gave chances up because both Manchester City and Arsenal are doing that. And this is what, when I started the part, I said, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> this is what appears to have changed, is that now, I, I don't look at anyone. I saw I saw um, Newcastle uh, City yesterday, and I thought that Newcastle played quite well. And I thought City, you know, were, were quietly impressive. But they were still giving chances up. Chances are being made against Arsenal, against City, against Manchester United, against Everton, against all of these sides in the country now. And we're not really used to it, are we, Dave? We're not used to seeing this number of chances be given away by sides that are going to go on and win football matches. No, because the, the attempted solution used to be, we'll try and tighten up at the back. Now it seems to be a change in total U-turn of mentality, and it's let's go and score more than the opposition. It's terrifically entertaining, but, you know, it, it's weird in another sense because that's 
that's not the way we're used to seeing it. Like you say, it's a complete surprise when you're seeing sides not going, even this transfer window, going out and buying top centre-halves. They're still looking to buy attackers. Look at Man City. I mean, I think Pellegrini's decided, hang on, yeah, we're going to ship a few, but we're definitely, definitely going to score at least two or three a game. That's what it looks like to me. That that was the big thing. I thought you knew, I thought City were impressive. I thought that it began to be a more solid, a more conventional performance. But even then, you know, the, I understand why the goal was chalked off, but, it, you know, there's the strong arguments to say it shouldn't have been the Newcastle equaliser. Newcastle had the best of that game for long periods and did create a few chances. And this is suddenly what I think is happening. And the big thing to take away from Stoke City 3, Liverpool 5, is the change that is made on 17 minutes is to bring a second attacker on, a second centre forward on. This is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Uh, you've waited long enough, Evan, in a second. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. Christ almighty there, City Talk posing the big questions. Uh, <laughs> massive stuff there from I'm City Talk, 10 o'clock tonight. Yeah. Um, if, if, if a definitive answer has come to, uh, get on me on Twitter at Knox underscore Harrington. If, uh, if Roy manages to drill down to the bottom of that one, I'll be very, very pleased indeed. Uh, <laughs> this is City Talk 105.9. It's all in the game. I like ambitious radio. It's very, very ambitious radio. Um, it's well better than the benefit stuff. Yeah. This is City Talk 105.9. It's uh, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. I'm um, looking at a picture of Gareth Barry, and my word, isn't he beautiful? That was a lovely goal as well, wasn't it? <laughs> it was uh, sharp. He actually gave um, Leighton Baines man of the match. Probably more out of sentiment at the weekend, but Gareth Barry was untouchable. He, he was really top-notch. And, you know, there's always a, a moan if you're never Tony, and despite when things go well, we, we spoke about the... Uh, well, the much publicised Lukaku hang on, we're not keeping him. Yes. Arguments. Gareth Barry, yeah, but he's over thirty. That that is the thing. <laughs> I want him for ten years. <laughs> I'm not going to get him for 10 years He's over 30 Yeah he is, I mean he is over 30 But then he, Gareth Bay wasn't this player When he was 21 no, that's true You become this player It do, You know it doesn't just It doesn't just happen You become this player mm. That's the key thing it's, it, it's, it's a remarkable goal But he's having an excellent season Yeah he's he's been Unbelievable for us And It's his influence on everyone else as well Neil as well Which I think is just as impressive I think McCarthy wouldn't be the player, even though he's a tremendous potential when he comes to Everton. Mm. Uh, I still don't think he'd be the player he is or is developing into without the influence of, of Barry there, similar to Ross Barkley. Uh, he's just that calm and influence. He's he's that touch of class in a side that, you, you know, which separates him probably from a decent side to one that's developing into a top side. He's that he's that sort of link between it all. And uh, he, I love watching him. I think he's really, really good. And I was having a, a joke on Twitter this week, earlier this week with some who said uh, they'd rather have Joey Barton than Gareth Barry before he signed for Everton. I think a few of them will be eating a uh, few slices of humble pie now. Well, I mean, that, that's the sort of thing. It's difficult to appreciate a player like Barry if yeah, you watch him every week. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough to, to, to get into exactly what it is that he brings to your football team, but it is the influence he has on around you. He lets you play. He gets you playing and he lets you play. And I think he's, I th- I, you know, I, I think you've got to, you've got to very much respect the professionalism that he's shown when he's come to Everton, the professionalism he's shown throughout his career, and you're saying you want to watch him for the next ten years, you want to have ten years ago at the But if you know if Everton managed to sign him this summer, it wouldn't surprise me if he got three. You know, yeah. he's coming up to the he's coming up to I think to his thirty third birthday, um, and he's, he's not alone in that. Um, but um, you know, he's very much he's still got enough to move around the park mm. you know to, to the level that he needs to but his reading of the game is what, what's, what's adding him so much I think you could you know you, if he hangs around you get at least one more very good season out of him if not conceivably two yeah 
Yeah, and you know, by the same note as well, uh, Alcaraz, who's come in, and uh, a lot of lot of Evertonians sort of squint when they seen his name on the team sheet, particularly next to a young lad like John Stones a couple of weeks ago when he first broke into the side, uh, and he's been phenomenal as well. He's out two weeks with muscle fatigue, funnily enough, when he doesn't <laughs> he, he doesn't even seem to break into a sweat or sprint in a game. His positional sense is, is fantastic. He's a real like Rolls Royce kind of player, and he has that common influence on the defence as well as Barry does in the midfield um, and you know again I mean we, we've signed the player as well this week, mm. Aidan McGeady's come in uh, I'm not too sure I mean I've seen him a few times like you say my guilty pleasure is a bit of SPL um, I didn't watch it as much when he was at Celtic but the one, the one thing he's got going for him is Lionel Messi said he's a top top player <laughs> so uh, you know you, you've got to take your hat off to him I think it's 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 it shows that there's a desire to Evans to step forward quickly. Yeah. I think, and that there's also an opportunity to buy into what's going on this season. You know, you'd be surprised at this stage if Everton didn't finish with the, with the European place, wouldn't you, Dave? You'd be you know with the European mm. place. It would now be a surprise if Everton didn't manage to didn't manage to do that. It's it's. Uh, y- Great to see the sort of the standard of football that's being played. And the the, the thing about Everton getting a European place is that if they did. You're expecting to acquit themselves really well playing like this. That's the key thing. You wouldn't be surprised to see whoever, whether it was Champions League or Europa League, Everton being able to compete with anyone, not just a good or somebody away from home. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a, still a bit torn about. I mean, the, obviously the, the promised land's the Champions League, but Europa League, Evertonians are saying, well, yeah, hang on, we, we need to get back in there. At the very minimum, we need to get into the Europa League. Um, initially, my thoughts on that were that would probably be detrimental to our future prospects getting the Champions League, but I don't think that's necessarily the case with the way they do actually play. I think under Moyes it was a big problem because energy becomes a, a, a key issue then. But with Martinez, the way he plays, the way he defends in possession, as we've spoken about in the past, um, the, the setup he has, then more games wouldn't necessarily become a massive problem. Even though he did have a bit of a moan about it over Christmas, um, I think he's still in a transition in that sense because by no means of the, the finished article there was times against not not each other really good 10 to 15 minute mm. spell uh, towards the end of the game against they're us. a very strange side aren't they oh Norwich? yeah absolutely they don't make any sense no not at all it, you can't see what it is they're meant to be doing well the funny thing was I, I looked at their squad um, on, the, on the back of the programme and you think, hang on you know there's, there's some real talent in there I mean you, you look at Leroy Fair has been decent for them the, the lad we almost signed last season and you've got Gary Hooper season striker Looks half decent. Bassong. Bassong, absolutely. Decent player. Olsen, decent yeah, player. Eastman, decent player. Eastman's is meant to be a real talent. Yep, I know. And, uh, well, he is a real talent, I think. Redmond and. Yeah. Uh, Redmond, and, sorry, Eastman, yeah. yeah. And uh, Van, uh, Van Wolfswinkle, yep. you know, who came, who came much vaunted. Um, you know, it's it's a real mixed bag, isn't it? I think that's probably what the the, the issue is there. It is a real sort of lucky dip of of, of players. Uh, and they did. They had Everton on the ropes uh, a few times in that game, and sort of got me to thinking about the conversation we had about you know the, those intense levels, intensity levels. Moyes used to play with Everton last season. It sort of makes me wonder what stage Martin is aside are in regards to um, this sort of relentless attacking play that we seem to go through every game I mean Paul Mason I think you know it's, it's been greatly discussed on, on uh, social media in the last couple of days Paul Mason saying this looks like at times it was Arsenal at the best mm. when they were the invincible side I think that's a, it's a massive compliment for one but um, 
it was it was for like a ten minute spell, and then we'd relent. Uh, I wonder, does energy, does fitness play a part? I'd love to ask Martin as that actually. Does he see that sort of level of intensity being dependent on fitness, or is it dependent on how actually he wants his team to set up and attack players? Because there's a at times you look at Everton and there's a, a tremendous rhythm about them going forward. Uh, you know, it, they'll lose the ball, they'll hunt down in packs, they'll get it back, and they'll attack again. Whereas other times you're thinking, well, where's that gone? You know, there are periods in games, particularly in that spell Norwich, where you're thinking, why are we sitting back here? So, um, I'd love to ask... I think every team's doing that now, now though, Dave. I think, you know, you've seen it. You've seen it right the way around Europe. I watched um, watched Barcelona Atletico Madrid on on Saturday night, and it was noticeable the way in which, you know, Madrid would have... would be 10, 15 minutes of hunting Barcelona all over the pitch, and then quite a, you know, quite an obvious 10, 15 minutes of dropping into a shell. Mm. Allowing, for instance, Xavi to have the ball, allowing him to have it for long periods off the basis of the fact that, you know, they felt that the shell was strong enough that he wouldn't break them down. I think it's it's happening right the way through. You've seen Liverpool do it at times this season. Uh, you know, you'll see you'll, you'll see uh, Manchester City do it at times this season as well. They were doing it a little bit against Newcastle, you'd argue, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's what's going to happen. And the key thing for Everton, I think, is that the squad is 16, 17 men. It's not 10, it's not 11, it's not 12. You know, you've got... We've seen what's happened with the full-back lad who came in and scored. I've forgotten his name. What's his name again, sorry? The one who replaced Baines, the left-back. Oviedo. Oviedo. Yeah. You know, he, he comes in and impresses, uh, drops back out. You see Naismith gets time on the pitch pretty consistently. You see Leon Osman came in for Barkley at the weekend. You know, there's... The, Martinez, he's clearly got, you know, I can name Martinez's first 11. I can see what Martinez's first 11 is. But there's six, six seven lads who are able to come in. Stones has, has come in as well now. You know, there's six or seven lads who are able to come in and Everton, you know, they, they don't miss a beat. Well, that was what was so impressive about Jelovic's performance in the FA Cup last week. I mean, uh, by all accounts, the lad was all but left the club this window, obviously, that the writing's been on the wall for a while behind the scenes, although a lot of Evertonians still want him to, wanted them to stay. And he comes in, puts in a fantastic performance up front, and looked, uh, you know, the desire, the hunger was there from when he first signed, and everyone's thinking, hang on, this, this lad's still got a future here. <laughs> Two days later, he's gone. Um... You know, I think it's it's it says a lot about Martinez and what, what sort of things he's saying to players who are, who are in the squad. I mean, that, that, I mean, you look at John Stones. You know, the, the lad looks as if he's been a seasoned professional and he's been playing for years. Um, the one thing that intrigues me, the one thing that is something that you've you've said before that people have said on the on the blue room to you. It what intrigues me is. It surprises me that the manager hasn't looked at someone else at centre-forward for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, 2-0 up at home to Norwich, 20 to go. He still had a sub left. Um, you know, it surprised me that he doesn't think, let's have a look at Morales. Yeah. Let's see what this looks yeah. like. Let's give this give this 20 minutes or so. You know, it seems Lukaku pretty relentless. Maybe this is, could even be something to do with the loan contract, given the fact that one of the things that supposedly was a weakness last year at West Brom was he wasn't doing 90 minutes. But it does seem to be pretty consistently, you know, Lukaku's finishing these games when there's opportunities for Everton to have a look at someone else and to yeah. let them rest his legs. Well, I, I, I'd hesitate to call it a, um, a criticism because, you know, we, we haven't seen a, a result of that yet. We haven't seen, hang on, look, you're not bringing another striker on. It's costing us here. It hasn't cost us yet. Um, but it's something that you could see developing into a bit of an issue because Jelovic, I think, started the first five games of the season before Lukaku came along and then that was it until he played against uh, QPR the other day. Um, And my argument was, 
you know, there's, there was plenty of scope to give it a go with him alongside Lukaku. Yeah. There was plenty of scope to give him the last 20 when Lukaku looked a bit jaded. Certainly over Christmas, Lukaku's definitely looked tired. He was tired by his own admission. That was the time to give him a go. It was time to give Morales a go up front. It was time to, you know, chop and change a little bit. Uh, and it, it didn't happen. So, I mean, it may well be part of the master plan. Uh, you know, you've gone and sold Jalovic there for the best part of £8 million. Yeah. By all accounts, he's after a striker. There's a striker in the offing. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he gets someone who's able to play either alongside or in place of Lukaku because uh, there's a concern that like Lukaku sort of plays himself out, plays himself out of games a lot. He does the thing that strikers do when they don't score, mm. pulls out wide, yeah, yeah, drops deeper to affect games. Yeah, he may well have an effect on a game still. A lot of Evertonians would argue, well, yeah, he's still phenomenal despite not scoring the goals. But that still has a detrimental effect to you, your efforts trying to score a goal. So yeah, I'd like—I mean, I'd like to see him experiment a little bit. Okay, then this is City Talk on a five point nine. Coming back, we're going to tell you why the next three league games are absolutely huge. Everything and anything football—it's all in the game on City Talk on a five point nine. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey in front of us we've got the league table and we've got the fixtures coming in the next three rounds of league games played from on Saturday the weekend of Saturday the 18th um, and what are you doing Neil by the way putting, putting a shift in outside of our show to bring to pull this together for <laughs> a us bit I of know. prep what's going on here actual prep from me I thought it's better than the scrabbling rounds on the computer yeah. um, and then you've got you've, so you've got the week, the games on the weekend of, the, of Saturday the 18th uh, where, where, when Liverpool play Villa at home and Everton on the Monday night go to West Brom um, and then on the there's the, the following week after the FA Cup games on the Tuesday night Liverpool face Everton at Anfield and then the following weekend Saturday the 1st of February um, on the Sunday Liverpool play go to West Brom on the Saturday is it? Yes I found it Everton are at, are at home to Aston Villa so Liverpool and Everton are both playing West Brom and Villa in the um, in the, in the fixtures coming up over the next couple of weeks Dave both West the, the other side of this is that uh, as it stands Liverpool are five points off the top uh, Everton are six points off the top are all changes if uh, Arsenal beat Villa tonight presuming they do so then that means that from 10th to 20th there is only 6 points covering everybody yeah. um, which is crazy talk but it is, it is the situation it's a fascinating league uh, campaign the reason why I'm, the reason why I think this is huge is I think that the next 3 rounds of games will decide Dave whether or not we've got a top 3 and then a battle for 4th whether we've got a top 4 mm. um, and then you know with a chasing pack or whether or not we've got a top five um, wherein someone's going to be unlucky and realistically miss out. Because also in those games that I've just mentioned there, um, you've, you, you have Manchester United going to Chelsea. Tottenham have got a tough t- trip to Swansea to negotiate. You've also got, uh, at the same time, Tottenham are at home to Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, they've got that one to deal with and to get through. And then um, you've also got Manchester United going to Stoke, Tottenham going to Hull, uh, the, as this closes itself off. And then the last game on Monday, the 3rd of February of this little run, is Manchester City versus Chelsea uh, and then things get very very tough for Arsenal Arsenal are currently in a situation where they very much they're need running is unbelievable they need, they need 12 points for the next four games yeah. uh, I think at Arsenal they need to take 12 points for the next four games if they're going to be able to hold people at bay so what I'm driving at here Dave is ultimately both Liverpool and Everton have got, got a look at this and I'm including the derby here seven points is probably your minimum minimum acceptable return Mm. Nine would 
set a tone for both Liverpool and Everton going into this uh, go, t- to see what happens next in this race for fourth stroke title challenge that both sides are involved in and realistically if either side did take nine points you would expect coming out the other end of this for them to be a, a decent way away from whichever side certainly was in sixth and realistically in fifth yeah uh, yeah that rings too certainly I mean you look at it from that point of view there's there's plenty for Everton and Liverpool to be relishing about the next three games, uh, rather than to be fear, uh, rather than fearing anything. Because you look at everyone else playing against each other, you've got you know relegation threatened sides that the big teams have got to go away to. So um, I I think this weekend is 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 crucial in terms of I think Everton need to be within touching distance of going above Liverpool heading into the derby. So, so a win put you want you want the, the situation in the derby for it to be that a win puts Everton above Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think. I mean, I don't think Liverpool drop points against Villa. So, in other words, I think we have to beat West Brom. Villa have got a decent away record. They've got a better away record than a home record. But they're a strange side. Yeah. They're, 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 you know, as are West Brom as well. I mean, you can go to West Brom and I, I, I've seen. I mean, they put a fantastic performance against Villa. I've seen West Brom against Villa. Uh, West Brom are two 0 up. Shane Long had a fantastic game. Villa came back into it second after a really pair of strange sides this season. You know, at some point, a lot of Villa fans are going to be wanting Lambert to get his act together. Uh, some of the things he said about the FA Cup have gone against him lately. So, really, really strange games again. Everton are going to a side where it's the manager's first home game. Uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting. So, I mean, if we're in touch with Liverpool, as in either if both of them draw, even if both if both well, man, if both of them lose, then you, you you're looking at Spurs will step in, aren't you? You are. You, I mean, this this is the key thing ultimately is that this is where Liverpool's victory at Stoke was huge. Liverpool started that game in sixth, um, and I've, I've then put themselves back into fourth. But it's not about fourth. I don't think Liverpool, and I'm going to keep saying this. I don't think Liverpool want to get into a race for fourth. Um, I think a race for fourth, where in Liverpool are favourites, is the thing that Liverpool don't want more than anything else I think mm. if Liverpool can turn and this is why it's the next three and this is why I think the derby is a bigger game for Liverpool than it is for Everton because for a variety of reasons one is that I think Everton Everton's likely to be happier in a situation wherein they're chasing down fourth than Liverpool are you know if, if it separates off I think it suits Everton if, yeah. it doesn't suit, if it doesn't separate off or rather Liverpool can stick with the pace set by City set by Chelsea set by Arsenal then I think that suits Liverpool yeah I, I think Liverpool are far better front runners than Everton and I think Everton are a lot better chasers than Liverpool um, and yeah I think uh, and Liverpool win are probably it's a more important game, uh, certainly well, with Everton being the away side anyway. But so, what's the best result for both Liverpool and Everton? Uh, Manchester United versus Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. <sighs> I'd, well, I mean it, that, that's uh, again it's, it feeds into the. Uh, it's, it, it's as heavy a philosophical question as what's going to happen on City Talk One Five tonight <laughs> at ten o'clock. What? <laughs> what is the is, is is the best result yeah. for Chelsea versus Manchester United? Uh, Four o'clock kickoff next Sunday. Chelsea versus Manchester United. What's the best result for Liverpool and Everton? I think it's, it's probably a Chelsea win. I think because I do think it'll be. I, I, I my heart to heart says it will it will develop into a race for fourth. Rather than anything else, even though I'd love it, I would absolutely love it if it was if, if we were battling for second, third, even first going into the running. But <coughs> do you know what I think it is? Go on. I agree with you. Well, I think that for Liverpool, the best result is Chelsea win. And the reason why I think that's the best possible result for Liverpool is because I think it would suit Liverpool if there was a gap of four at the top that Liverpool were part of who were all going for the title, wherein your runners-up prize, your consolation prize, is that you get to come second, third and fourth if you don't win the league. Whereas I actually think that for Everton, I don't think it makes much difference, really. Mm. I think it draws a good result or anything like that because I think 
what will suit Everton, as you say, is to chase down, is for, is for sides to be in the hunt. And I think that if that's the case, then that suits Everton strongly. Um, and so therefore, I don't think it's a disappointment because I think Everton are just going to keep coming up on the rails. They've, owned, they've, only, they've lost the fewest games of anyone all mm. season, which is a very underreported statistic considering it sits and faces you in the league table every single day. You know, Everton are a tough, tough side to beat. And I think that therefore, the, the, the more bogged down it gets, the more that there's draws, the more that there's all that sort of stuff suits Everton. Yeah, I think if, if Everton are within, I think Everton will be really, really dangerous. Not so much if we're within. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I fancy our chances more. Like you've rightly said, that I'd fancy our chances more if we're within four or five points with six games left, rather than in a funny way being fourth on goal difference with four or five to left to play. I think it's a totally different mentality well, then. The other thing as well is to point out here is that goal difference is now worth a point to Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, to everyone beneath them, not to the sides above them. They're only four four goals on goal difference ahead of yeah. Chelsea and Arsenal and they're behind City. But to the sides beneath them, goal difference, and you've got to look at this sort of stuff now, goal difference is worth a point to Liverpool Football Club over Everton, over Manchester United and certainly, you know, that, that's why that, the five goals win that Liverpool had at Spurs has effectively turned into a ten goal swing. Um, you know, that's massive and I think that goal difference if it does play a part Liverpool have obviously got that advantage they've got it in the bag so I think that you know it's it's seeing this out now and the next three games for Liverpool especially I think are huge because Liverpool's the game that, that isn't on this list the game that follows it is at home to Arsenal yeah. and if Liverpool could take nine points from these you know if Liverpool could see this run out and be sitting on 51 points from 24 games then that's where you really do you, that's when you are suddenly going at a clip that does put you above 80 points that does put you at 82 points that does say we're properly in the hunt but it also realistically means that you're likely to be at least 7, 8, 9 points clear of Manchester United and that'd be huge And I, yeah I think they're the danger Neil I really do I still still people you know, obviously we have the whole thing when they get beat the, the furore that goes with uh, United losing games uh, I still think they're the big threat I really do I think they'll kick on I, I think they'll, they'll find, they'll find they've, got a good, they've got a big squad they've got a strong squad mm-hmm. Moyes, Moyes has Everton always finished the season quite strongly you know I'd expect them to pick up points at this period of time I think it doesn't help them they've got this big game against Chelsea on the horizon because if they get beat there then they'll be the same crisis sort of talks but yeah. then the games that follow you know they're not a disaster for them uh, Cardiff at home and um, and then uh, dealing with going to Stoke you know it's not an easy game but it's not that that hard a game I think if you know if they can do that then it's it's significant I'd say I think it's very very significant indeed so I'm going to I'm going to ask you for your prediction for the three games very quickly how many points will Everton get seven you're going to go with seven what's the draw in the derby in the derby, derby will yeah. be a draw uh, as it stands now I'm some, I'm already terrified of the derby but it's not just yeah. the derby it's because Aston Villa's a massive game you know in the same way that West Brom's a massive yeah. game they don't stop being massive games there's one about to kick off now this has been all in the game this week it's, we're all going to be strung out by the time this season finishes from Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey good night <laughs> It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.